Hey everyone, it's Father Pat, here today to offer you my reflections on the scripture readings for today. Our readings for today are from the 27th Sunday in Ordinary Time. A reading from the book of the prophet Habakkuk. How long, O Lord, I cry for help, but you do not listen. I cry out to you violence, but you do not intervene. Why do you let me see ruin? Why must I look at misery? Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and clamorous discord. Then the Lord answered me and said, Write down the vision clearly upon the tablets so that one can read it readily. For the vision still has its time, presses on to fulfillment, and will not disappoint. If it delays, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not be late. The rash one has no integrity, but the just one, because of his faith, shall live. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our response. If today you hear his voice, harden not your hearts. If today you hear his voice, harden not your hearts. Come, let us sing joyfully to the Lord. Let us acclaim the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us joyfully sing psalms to him. If today you hear his voice, harden not your hearts. Come, let us bow down and worship. Let us kneel before the Lord who made us, for he is our God, and we are the people he shepherds, the flock he guides. If today you hear his voice, harden not your hearts. Oh, that today you would hear his voice. Harden not your hearts as at Meribah, as in the day of Massa in the desert, where your fathers tempted me. They tested me, though they had seen my works. If today you hear his voice, harden not your hearts. A reading from the second letter of St. Paul to Timothy. Beloved, I remind you to stir into flame the gift of God that you have through the imposition of my hands. For God did not give us a spirit of cowardice, but rather of power and love and self-control. So do not be ashamed of your testimony to our Lord, nor of me, a prisoner for his sake, but bear your share of hardship for the gospel with the strength that comes from God. Take as your norm the sound words that you heard from me and the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Guard this rich trust with the help of the Holy Spirit that dwells within us. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. The apostles said to the Lord, Increase our faith. The Lord replied, If you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you would say to this mulberry tree, Be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it would obey you. Who among you would say to your servant, who has just come in from plowing or tending sheep in the field, come here immediately and take your place at table? Would he rather not say to him, prepare something for me to eat, put on your apron and wait on me while I eat and drink? You may eat and drink when I am finished. Is he grateful to that servant because he did what was commanded? So should it be with you. When you have done all that you have been commanded, say, we are unprofitable servants. We have done what we were obliged to do. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. When I was pastor at St. John Newman, I annually hosted a post-Christmas party at the rectory for the staff and the parish leadership team. Well, hosted is a bit of an exaggeration. I mean, I did live at the rectory, and I was present at the party. However, I'm not much of a party planner. 
One of my staff members, though, is amazing at that very thing. And she planned the menu. She prepared a lot of the food. She decorated the house. She figured out the best way to set up the house to best accommodate the number of guests that were going to be there. Now, lest you think badly of me, I did help someone. I was a faithful assistant. I accompanied her on the shopping trips. I helped with some of the setup. I took orders from her amazingly well. Some of my ecclesiastical superiors would like me to be equally as accommodating to them. And perhaps most importantly, when I was told to stay out of the way, I did exactly that. When the party began, I smiled a lot, shook hands, and engaged in sparkling conversation, or at least I'd like to think it was sparkling. The result, a better experience for the guests than I could have ever pulled off on my own. In today's gospel, the apostles beg Jesus, increase our faith. In response, the Lord tells a parable, reminding them who is the true host of the kingdom's banquet. As it was wise for me to take the role of helper for the post-Christmas party, so too the servants of the parable have the responsibility to serve the master of the house. As Jesus and his companions move toward Jerusalem, and as the Lord peels the onion of the Paschal mystery to come, his friends struggle spiritually and emotionally. While they ask for faith, what they really want is understanding and control. I'll admit I wasn't there, so I can't really read their minds, but I know myself and I know all of you. So unless human nature has changed drastically over the last two millennia, I'm pretty sure I'm right on this one. Faith is a gift from God, not something we can acquire by study or training or purchase. But when we have it, even in small amounts, we do have to exercise the muscles a bit for it to function. And that starts with two important tasks. First, acknowledging that we're not in charge. And second, committing to doing what we're asked to do to make the true host's party plan a reality. Now, admittedly, doing that or trying to do that can be frustrating. Let's consider our first reading from the prophet Habakkuk. Habakkuk's ministry dates to the decade uh, just prior to the invasion of Judah by Babylon. The Babylonian king Nebuchadnezzar had recently defeated the Egyptians in battle and was drawing close to what remained of David's former kingdom after the northern tribes were conquered by Assyria. But the prophet's cries aren't about Babylon. Habakkuk is angry at his own nation, his own people, which has fallen into idol worship, failure by the rich and powerful to respect basic human rights, and an overall moral decline in society. The Lord's answer to Habakkuk is basically, well, friend, I've got good news and I've got bad news. The good news is that the Lord has a great plan for Israel's salvation and the establishment of an everlasting kingdom. The bad news is that things are going to get worse before they get better. Babylon is actually a part of the plan in that they'll bring Judah to its knees and turn them back to the Lord. But as the Lord says himself, his vision, quote, will surely come. It will not be late, unquote. The prophet, it seems, has arrived a bit early for the party. He's on the setup crew, and the Lord has a job for him to capture the vision so that when it is fulfilled, all nations will know the one true God. So Habakkuk has to trust in the Lord's promise. He has to keep his nose to the grindstone, and he has to do his part in preparing for the banquet that is to come. Of course, that's a lot of pressure to put on one person, whether it's a prophet like Habakkuk or a regular Joe or Mary like you and me. That's one of the reasons why Paul writes to young Timothy. Paul is not just blowing smoke, by the way. He, incur he knows all about uh, struggling to serve the Lord when he can't see the end game in sight. In fact, Paul writes this very letter from captivity. 
as he says, a prisoner for his sake. He encourages Timothy to stir into flame the graces he received as his ordination. Certainly, uh, Paul meant for Timothy to pray and celebrate the sacraments, but, but also to remember all that Paul had taught him and to rely on the faithful Christians in Ephesus to support him with his, with his heavy burden. Like Habakkuk and like Paul, they have arrived at the party early, and they have the job and the honor to prepare it for all the others who will come in the Lord's own time, naturally. As he said to Habakkuk, it will surely come. It will not be late. When I was a kid, I always wanted my own spending money, but I was too young to have a job as of yet. So I asked my mom for an allowance. She agreed to some astronomical sum, like 50 cents a week. I think I eventually managed to get a raise, but she was a pretty tough negotiator. Anyway, mom's largesse wasn't for free. I would have to work to, uh, I would have work to do in order to earn my, my uh, money. Now, you have to know my parents. My mom was a typical Italian mom. She did all the cooking, preferring us to stay out of the kitchen, and the laundry. I can still smell the scent of clothes drying on the outside, clotheslines. And dad did the typical house maintenance, but not very well, frankly, so it was best to stay out of his way, too, because he wasn't known for his patience. So one of my jobs, as I remember, was to clean up after the dogs in the backyard. Yes, my primary chore was to shovel, well, you can fill in the blank. I didn't enjoy it, needless to say, but if I wanted my allowance, I had to do it. Nose to the grindstone. I have to admit it was a lot more pleasant to play in the yard after it was done. As a 10-year-old, I knew that my mom and dad were in charge of the home, and they had responsibilities way above my pay grade and understanding. But I still had my part to play. I've lived the illusion many times that I'm in charge of my own life. The Lord always brings me down to earth. And as you know, sometimes I hit the ground pretty hard. And I protest and I complain. And I look at the world, world around me and I say, Lord, come on, man, this isn't fair. When are you going to fix this? And he hands me a shovel. It will surely come. It will not be late. We're one day, one hour, one minute closer to party time. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Have a great day. Thank you.